You're listening to the Caramel Apples Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all things 70s and 80s pop culture and explores how this fond nostalgia affects our lives. Each week, we travel back in time to embark on the nexus to revisit retro segments that ingrained itself into our culture and our hearts. This week, we're going to talk about the 1975 blockbuster, Jaws. Now, here's your hosts, Kennedy Rizzo and Cooper Lee. surrounding jaws i mean where on earth do we start yeah (laughs) so i'm telling you this is truly a good problem to have because we're living in such different times now that it's almost impossible to relish or treasure cinematic retro gems such as this one with what we have you know that's that's happening in current times oh yeah where do we start (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree with you, Cooper. I mean, that's one of the major reasons why we picked this movie. Yeah, I mean, this thing is a cult classic. Yeah. It's timeless, and it hasn't been touched yet by some hotshots of modern-day Hollywood and its fancy tech CGI founded (laughs) most excuses, poor excuses, called movies today. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Jaws is literally a grab-your-popcorn we're going all in for an adventure type of movie from just milliseconds of beginning it. Truly. And Jaws is one of our favorites because it reminds us of other nostalgic things in our life. Yeah. Like, for instance, it keenly reminds me of some of our beloved past family trips up around the Great Lakes. Oh, slow standing clap. Yes. Oh, I know. It just has that feel. And I know you felt similarly um, when visiting areas up around like Lake Erie and such. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to look over, um, out over all of that water, there are scenes in Jaws that reminds me of the looming question we all have after having watched the film. What's out there? <laughs> <laughs> I know, Cooper, that's Yes. <laughs> It is crazy how your imagination can run wild with these types of things. Right. But since you mentioned our past family trips, um, Jaws hands down was always in our entertainment arsenal. (laughs) Yes. This film was one we took into our packed goods for travel so that we could watch it multiple times. (laughs) What can I say? We caramel apples are a bit obsessive on the things we love. (laughs) Hence our Orchard Trek retros. (laughs) (laughs) Fancy that, huh? (laughs) 
so we actually have a lot of intriguing details about Jaws we need to cover this week. So without wasting too much more time, let's get right into it, shall we? I'm totally ready. Me too. <laughs> Goodness, where do we start? <laughs> um, I'll give it my best shot. Okay. <laughs> so, so to be honest, I'd love to just pause our discussion and go pop the movie in and sit back and enjoy. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Okay, okay so no, seriously. Um, but that wouldn't be very fair to our wonderful listeners now, would it? No, not at all. <laughs> okay, I digress. <laughs> so the premise of Jaws is it's a hot summer on Amity Island, a small community whose main business is its beaches. Yes, and the horror begins when the the remains of a young woman's body wash ashore on the island of Amity. Police Chief Martin Brody, played by Roy Scheider, suspects a shark attack, which caused him to quickly put in place his first inclination to close the beaches to swimmers. Seems logical, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this doesn't sit well with Mayor Larry Vaughn and (laughs) several of the local businessmen. Yeah, uh... Chief Brody has good common sense and wants to close the beaches, but is refused permission by Mayor Larry Vaughn, played by Murray Hamilton, and the Amity Selectmen, all of whom fear that news of the shark attack off of Amity will threaten the summer tourist trade, on which the town depends for its very survival. Yeah, yeah. The mayor and his lackeys persuade Chief Brody that such incidents are always isolated, and with Brody being inexperienced in such matters, he grudgingly agrees to keep quiet. So Mayor Vaughn says, Martin, it's all psychological. You yell barracuda. Everybody says, huh, what? You yell shark? We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) so as you can see we're already starting off with a bang (laughs) and the peer pressure is strong yes (laughs) because he goes we need summer dollars (laughs) (laughs) chief brody backs down to his deep regret as that weekend a young boy is killed by the predator yeah shortly thereafter the dead boy's mother puts out a bounty on the shark Amity is soon swamped with amateur hunters and fishermen, hoping to cash in on the big reward. So we're going to be dropping a few caramel trivia questions in this week's episode starting now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, archivers, what was the name or names of our two unfortunate victims? What was the name of the young lady who washed up on shore? And how about the young boy who encountered our mysterious predator that prompted the bounty craze. Can you recall our two victims' names? Weigh in. We're eager to ignite this fascinating discussion this week. And more to come. <laughs> True that, Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent trivia there. I love this movie. <laughs> oh my, you know, this is going to be a lot of fun this week. Yes. Especially with the caramel trivia questions thrown in throughout. Yes, yes. So can't wait to hear from all of you, our dear listeners. So naturally, this causes commotion and confusion amongst the town folk. Bounties are set. Amateur uh, shark hunters recklessly take to the waters. 
and throughout the bloody tense filled drama the town's various entities of local government are constantly clashing with each other mm-hmm. hooper says to brody excuse me <laughs> you know those eight and the fantail launch out there well none of them are gonna get out of that harbor alive <laughs> the town enters a local fisherman with much experience hunting sharks quint offers to hunt down the creature for a hefty fee oh here we go (laughs) (laughs) here's quint (laughs) so he scratches the chalkboard to get everyone's attention y'all know me know how i earn a living I'll catch this bird for you, but it ain't going to be easy. Bad fish. Not like going down to the pond chasing bluegills and tommycocks. This shark, swallow you whole. Little shaking, little tenderizing, and down you go. And we got to do it quick. Got to bring your tourists back on a paying basis. But it's not going to be pleasant. I value, I value my neck more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. But you gotta make up your mind. If, <laughs> if you want to stay alive, then Annie up. If you want to play a chief, be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's just too many captains on this island. Ten thousand dollars for me by myself. But they she get the head, the tail, the whole daggone thing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I had to let the sensor beep. <laughs> nice editing there. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my god, I totally love that scene. I do too. <laughs> oh, good job, Kennedy. It's classic nostalgic. our local fisherman you just quoted is none other than quint (laughs) oh boy oh boy ah hands full um chief brody eventually finds himself dealing both with his own moral guilt for agreeing to hush up the first shark attack and with an enormous human and social catastrophe, which appears to be in his sole responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah. Help, too, comes first in the form of Matt Hooper, Richard Dreyfus, <laughs> in the role that propelled him to stardom. Oh. An ichthyologist, an oceanographer, uh, dispatched to Amity to lend his expertise. Together, Hooper and Brody struggle in vain against both the shark and Mayor Vaughn, who is certain that keeping the beaches open for the sake of the town's economy and his own real estate business mm -hmm, (laughs) is worth the gamble. For now, in early investigating mode, Brody and Matt Hooper from the Oceanographic Institute are at (laughs) sea hunting our great white shark. They soon surmise that their problem is way deeper than originally thought. Finally, taking Quint up on his offer, Brody and Hooper charter an expedition with the cantankerous, vaguely malevolent Quint 
Robert Shaw. <laughs> Amity's most feared and respected shark hunter to find and kill the shark and save the town from financial disaster. Okay, here's Quint. <laughs> Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu you ladies of Spain. <laughs> We've received orders for to sail back to Boston, and so never more shall we see you again. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> Quint is funny and frightening all at once. Oh my goodness, he is a delightful disaster, isn't he? <laughs> That's oh a good God. way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> As Brody succinctly surmises after their first encounter with the creature, and that's not Quint we're talking about. <laughs> not this time. <laughs> They're going to need a bigger boat, Quint says from the crow's nest. Brody, start the gym line, okay? <laughs> Sorry. Start the chum line again, will ya? Let Hooper take a turn. Quint. Hooper drives the boat, chief. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we have our three brave adventurers on board, pun intended, check this out. Fun fact. The three leads are credited using a placement that was popular in the 70s making it unclear who receives first credit. Mm. Robert Shaw's name is vertically above Scheider's, but Scheider's is to the left. Richard Dreyfus, being the least inexperienced, is last whichever way you read it. Cool, huh? Yeah, it is. You can see this in your mind's eye, too. You sure can, because, I mean, this movie is just legendary. (laughs) Oh, so good. It is. I mean, Jaws completely absorbs you as the trio of shark hunters venture off to try to snare the great white, you begin to feel part of their adventure. You fear for them, you get excited with them, and dread what will happen next. When that fishing line starts spinning, (laughs) man, does your heart start pumping. This is pure class. The dynamics of Richard Dreyfus, Roy Scheider, and Robert Shaw's relationship works brilliantly. The differences in their characters' personas is such that they rub each other up the wrong way. <laughs> they often disrespect one another and wind each other up, but in the end, they are there for each other and develop a bond that I think surprises them all. Yeah. You know, Jaws is based on the bestseller book by Peter Benchley. Mm-hmm. Another reason why this film works well for audiences is that the ingenuity of taking a great story off the printed page and portraying that brilliantly on screen, uh, thanks to the timeless direction of Steven Spielberg. He keeps coming up, doesn't he? He really does. There's a reason for that. That's called being awesome. Yes. <laughs> So if you want to know more about Steven Spielberg and why he does keep coming up, he is one of our favorite directors. Yes. Please go back and listen to season one, episode one. Yes. He is our topic because he is a wonderful pick. Yes. 
he he's what we launched our podcast with so that's yeah this this director this guy is amazing <laughs> absolutely <laughs> nice job cooper yeah so that's right here on the caramel apples podcast so back <laughs> to jaws um the key production credits go to steven spielberg mm-hmm, peter finchley and carl gottlieb fun fact author peter benchley wasn't just the sweet um poetic mastermind behind jaws but did you know that he got to do a quick cameo in the film can Uh you recall yeah this is a good one right oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) can you recall his pop-up appearance you orchard archivers if you know hit us back (laughs) fun fact too director steven spielberg said that when he first read the novel he found himself rooting for jaws because the human characters were so unlikable. <laughs> oh, but <dude. laughs> Right? That kind of sounds like a stunt weed pool. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Vote for the bad guys, right? <laughs> Peter Benchley's account and keen observer vantage point unnerved in us, the audience, the unseen terror that pulls the human psychosis to the depths of the ocean. Jaws taps into the primal fear that resides in the majority of mankind. You know, that unseen that resides in the sea. I mean, in that iconic moment of the young lady going skinny dipping in the dark with her male friend is utterly haunting. You know and sense the horror of what's about to happen. The buoy dinging in the background. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just tapping you on the shoulder giving you chills <laughs> yeah yeah i mean even in just the description that you gave it it pulls you in and you can hear it yes <laughs> yes and back to the three r's roy scheider robert shaw and richard dreyfus uh they have a gripping performance that will not soon be forgotten yeah the three of them together are so different, yet all three are like people I'm quite certain each viewer has met and come across. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easy to connect with them, and it makes the film all the more fun when we go on along with this adventure. Um, to this day, I still need a friend to hold on to. <laughs> Where's our girl squad? <laughs> Jaws is a thrill ride of suspense that continues to deliver the goods to the audience back then. All the way to watching it these many years later. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because Steven Spielberg captured pure terror with those with those crazy scenes in this movie. Truly. Um, when a killer shark unleashes chaos on a beach community off a of Cape Cod, <laughs> it's up to a local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer to hunt down the beast. Now, who in their right mind wouldn't be interested in taking a peep into this riveting setup? <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jaws is bisected into uh, two distinctly different acts, with the first half taking place mostly on the dry ground of Amity Island, with a few boats and swimmer, um, sorry, swimming excursions but still largely Mm land-based. However, in the second half, we find ourselves adrift at sea aboard Quint's boat, the Orca, for the remainder of the movie, which most would agree is the more exciting part. Yes, that's where the action escalates. Yes, yes. 
The first half of Jaws takes place almost entirely on land, if you will, and focuses more on the politics of fear, um, commerce, than anything supernatural or scary. Mm-hmm. If there are ever any doubts as to whether that material holds up, it can easily be put to rest after viewing the film through a pandemic context. Oh, interesting. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Substitute global contagious disease or plummeting economy for mindless, unstoppable shark, and it's irrelevant today as ever. Very keen observation there, Coop. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is pretty, pretty connecting. Okay. <laughs> now, the second half leans more towards the adventure sea chase and is buoyed by ocean scenes that, you know, despite being filmed over 40 some years ago now, um, do not seem old or outdated in the least bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, masterful cinematography, almost always holding up. And Spielberg's behind the scene or camera decisions and direction certainly do here as well. Even though in the midst of a brutal, thrilling chase, Spielberg stops the action for a touching scene in which the three seamen bond over song and shared experiences. That USS Indianapolis speech was deep and held our attention. It did. So here's Hooper. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. <laughs> so it was Hooper, Quint, and Brady all singing together. And they say, I had a little drink about an hour ago and it got right to my head. Wherever I may roam, by land or sea or foam. <laughs> no, because you were singing but I think we'll be able to pull it off. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now, back to the show. Okay. Sounds good. I have to say, you have been ready and waiting to be singing these chart toppers. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what happens when you're happy, class. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done very well so far, so keep them coming, okay? <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> <laughs> so the role of the self-donned Shark Hunter Quint is brilliantly played by the late, great Robert Shaw, and is by far the film's most memorable, most colorful character. He was. Oh my goodness. There was a handful, two handfuls. Yeah. (laughs) Rarely is a film character so vividly well put together and as memorable as a cantankerous Quint. With his voice being the key reason, he has some mighty colorful fisherman tales to tell, as you will find out. That's a 20-footer. 25. All three tons of them. (laughs) It's endless. You just can quote all day long from this flick. Right? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So, 
Shaw infuses his character with a kind of gruff charm that makes it impossible not to like him. Mm-hmm. Roy Scheider's Brody is a quintessential everyman, an average guy beset by fear and guilt who finds himself in extraordinary circumstances and rises to the occasion. Dreyfus's Hooper is brash and brave. <laughs> <laughs> Enough not to come off as nerdy or self-righteous, and his friendship with Brody becomes the backbone of the movie. Yeah. Spielberg and screenwriter Carl Gottlieb <laughs> wisely deviated from the novel in regards to the character of Hooper, who was originally Brody's nemesis. I think I do remember that. Oh, I see. That's, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Quint is both frightening and funny all at the same time. <laughs> Can we say toxic? (laughs) (laughs) Good word. (laughs) He's a modern day Captain Ahab, you know, worthy foe for the malevolent shark. Brody, Quint, and Hooper become allied in a bona fide life and death hunt. And in order to fully exhibit such depth of character, great acting is required. And Jaws gives it here in spades. Yep. Um... Jaws features a collection of unique characters that are always a joy to revisit. Scheider as the why won't anyone listen to me police chief <laughs> <laughs> let the viewers relate to the story and much more personal aspect. While Dreyfus Hooper is insightful, hilarious, and provides some of the better clever dialogue of the whole show. I agree. <laughs> boys, oh boys. I think he's come back for his noon feeding. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you gotta watch old Hoop. <laughs> hoop, meet Coop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got some real zingers out there, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. <laughs> All throughout that movie, good grief. So, of course, Shaw as Quint is singularly iconic juxtaposing jocularity and complexity perfectly within his single character. As we stated mere moments ago concerning the three, that the dynamics of Richard Dreyfus, Roy Scheider, and Robert Shaw's relationship works brilliantly. The differences in their characters' personas is such that they rub each other the wrong way. There's that toxicity. (laughs) End up disrespecting one another and wind each other up. But again, in the end, they are there for each other and develop a bond that I think surprises them all. So we have to be reminded of that fact because you have your doubts. Yeah. All throughout the movie, up and down, up and down. And like, there are times you can tell they want to kill each other. But, <laughs> um, and I felt sorry for Brody. Like he just, I mean, he has this little nerdy college, you know, whatever, yes. what was he? Like this... Um, can't think of what he really was but you know but then he's got a veteran fisherman so he's in the middle he's caught in the middle nobody wants to listen to him you know like he's just like i just want to knock both their coconuts together right because i i think (laughs) like with hooper he's definitely like he's out to prove something he's trying to prove he's not just some rich kid right like i'm I'm in the field and i'm i know what i'm doing i've got the credentials yes and like you said um, Quint is very much like I'm boss. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> and 
and, and poor Brody, like you said, he's like, can we just not all get along and get this taken care of? We got one thing and I want to get home to my wife and kids. <laughs> exactly. He don't ask for much. He doesn't ask for much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and as things begin to unravel, which they did, they unraveled badly. Um, your heart goes out to the trio and the trepidation is the only way forward. Um, they have the fight of their life on their hands. Their bravery is boundless. Mm-hmm. You feel in all of them. We also get strong supporting work from Murray Hamilton as the mayor and Lorraine Gray as Brody's wife. The supporting along with the main cast really pull together here. And throughout the film, they play off of each other beautifully. The cast exudes a type of naturalistic chemistry that's rarely attained in movies. Oh, I agree. Okay. day. that's one of the key reasons why jaws is such a cohesive and enduring movie and if you haven't noticed over the years all of the scenes in this movie gel perfectly with not a single scene without purpose Mm -hmm. so fun fact did you know that robert shaw and richard dreyfus could not emphasize not stand each other Uh oh! and the two argued all the time which resulted in some good tension between hooper and quinn oh wow (laughs) (laughs) oh that's awful (laughs) yeah but you know we've talked about this in other uh, trek retros that you know this was kind of a a steady occurrence in in retro projects sure you know and this is just another classic example of professionalism at its finest when stars and actors aren't really too keen on each other yeah (laughs) but they try to put their differences aside and get the job done Mm -hmm. well we the fans wouldn't have even guessed that so kudos to hooper and quint and (laughs) kudos to you too (laughs) Cooper, sharing that fun fact oh my god (laughs) (laughs) And the figures don't lie. Just how well did this professionalism resonate with the movie going public? Fun fact. Over 67 million people here in the States went to see Jaws when it was initially released in 1975, making it the first ever summer blockbuster. There it is. (laughs) Kudos to Spielberg once again. There you go. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. (laughs) Right? You know, we mentioned that cool fun fact in our Orchard Trek retro dedicated to Steven Spielberg that Coop just plugged for a little bit ago. Um, And you can give it a listen right here, too. You know, so give it a listen. It's fascinating stuff. Fascinating, too, on where Jaws was shot and filmed. Jaws was filmed at the infamous Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts, for Amity Island, primarily because being 12 miles out to sea, The sandy bottom was only 30 feet deep, allowing the mechanized shark Bruce to function. Residents were paid $64 to scream and run across the beach as extras. (laughs) I love knives, brains. Hey, don't knock it. That's some valuable caramel apple ice cream money right there. (laughs) We need ice cream. Yes, yes. But we need ice cream dollars. (laughs) 
So we're going to briefly get into another key element that made the whole experience of Jaws, and that's the music, the score. Oh my gosh, that music just scares the crap out of us. That score was just as important as was our predator shark. Yeah. Jaws will forever be known um, for composer John Williams' two-note attack motif that became as iconic as any piece of music ever created. I agree. It is about so much more than just suspense and horror. It is one of the most well-rounded, complete movies ever made. Facts. Yes. Fun fact. Composer John Williams actually conducted the orchestra during the 1976 Academy Awards. So when it was announced that he won an Oscar for Best Score, he had to run up to the stage to accept his Oscar statue, then run back to continue conducting the orchestra. Oh, wow. (laughs) More class and professionalism back when times 10. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) back when many more things were oscar worthy too yeah nowadays not so much unfortunately yeah yeah um as far as the film's reputation is concerned jaws will forever be known for two things director steven spielberg's unique shark eye view camera work and building of suspense and as you just reminded us of cooper lee that composer john williams two-note attack motif that became as iconic as any piece of music ever created. Mm-hmm. So perhaps those two aspects alone would have been enough to make Jaws an iconic film. Who knows? I'd say that's a loud and easy yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> but the fact is, this 1975 effort is about so much more than just suspense and horror. You know, it is one of the most well-rounded, complete movies ever made. Oh, yeah. And and something else we touched on that we'll give a quick nod to before we tie off our Orchard Trek retro this week on Jaws is a few more details on our giant predator himself. Oh, cool. So may you're fun. And what did you say the name of this shark is? Hooper. It's a, it's a Carcharodon. Carcharodon. It's a great white. (laughs) Bruce. The name given to the shark uh, causes most of the problems during filming, but you wouldn't know that by just watching the picture. Mm -hmm. The look of the shark is incredible, and Spielberg certainly made the right decision of keeping it hidden and just revealing bits and pieces as the movie went along. Yes. Suspense. Mm -hmm. Fun fact. There were three mechanical sharks, or Bruce's made, each with specialized functions. The first one, shark, um, was open on the right side, and that's starboard. Um, one shark was open on the left side, port, and the third was fully skinned. Each shark cost approximately $250,000. I names Braves! <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of money for each mechanical shark. Yeah. 
Yeah. And not to go too long on it. Seriously, you cannot. I'm sorry. It does not look like a mechanical shark. It looks kind of real. Yeah. that They did a really, really good job. Details. That, yeah. That's why this movie is so awesome. <laughs> yeah. 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 And as you just said, Coop, it's the details such as this that explains well on why movie productions cost up into the millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. After it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Jaws is definitely worth every single penny and then some. I love Jaws because it came into our being or was created in an era when it took genius filmmakers to make a masterpiece movie, not just a computer doing all the work. Mm -hmm. You do realize this was 1975 and was one of a kind cinematic masterpiece. Jeez, and as already stated, the general premise and music here are well known. But what always strikes me with each Jaws rewatch is how much it is a human drama as opposed to a horror piece driven by a villain. Shark in this case. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Um, Every once in a while, the right talented people are at the right place together and come up with a masterpiece. (laughs) Jaws is definitely one of those movies. And that is thanks to the amazing cast and crew, the classic masterpiece that it is today. Jaws is eternal (laughs) and ageless universal beloved masterpiece and due to the film's great originality it has always been and always will be easy for diehard fans to admire yeah I mean there are so many movies that are you can tell are just pinned off of Jaws like there's so many shark movies yes a bit ridiculous but it is because they don't they'll never hold a candle to Jaws exactly and an absolute legend of a movie which I am grateful to have been able to watch and enjoy Coop perhaps the greatest compliment I can give Jaws is that every time I see it I can't help but be swept away in all of its winning aspects Mm -hmm. I don't know whether it be the drama emotion music thrills adventure visuals acting (laughs) (laughs) or just overall heart of this masterpiece there is not a single scene wasted or underutilized Mm -hmm. i have absolutely no doubt that it will remain just as visceral of an experience going forward as it was for those sitting in the theaters in 1975 so we have ellen brody that's talking to her hubby (laughs) she's in amity say yad and he goes, they're in the yard, not too far from the car. <laughs> How is that? Like you're from New York. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's great. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> and that's it for this week's episode. To make sure that you never miss out on another second of our Carmelicious podcast, meet up with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Bye for now, and thanks so much for listening.